Hello, Lemonade Legend listeners out there. This is Michelle Faust, and I am so happy to be here today. Uh, and still in quarantine, and still happy to be here. <laughs> because if I wasn't here, where else would I be? Probably not in a good place. So uh, we have with us a great guest, um, and I'm excited to have uh, Tracy Sparron on because she is just a bright light and a beautiful smile, and she has just a wonderful, inspiring story. So Tracy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Well, good. So you have kids at home right now, right? I do. I how do. You, how have you been surviving this? <laughs> You know, if I'm just going to have to be honest, because I don't know how, how to be any other way. Last week was a rough week for me because I'm a routine girl and planner and scheduled and when and I and change, I don't do well with big changes. Like we moved into this new home a year ago and I'm just now settling in. So when there's like a big change or event in my life, I really struggle to find my footing. And so last week I was just off and in a funk and, um, but I've, I've, so it, it just takes me a little bit of time with stuff like this and changes to kind of just find my footing. And, and so this week I feel like, okay, it, it feels like it's becoming the new normal, you know? So we're getting there. <laughs> well, so here's the thing from, for that, that I'll, um, I'll say, I'll kind of fess up to is, yes, I want to get out really bad. I want to travel. I want to see people. I want to hug. I want all those things. But there's a little part of me that's kind of embracing this. Like, am I going to be able to, to put on something other than yoga pants, you know, when this is all over? <laughs> I got yoga pants on right now. Because <laughs> I only have to dress them here up. So, um, so there are things that I'm really enjoying about it. Mm -hmm. and, and I know this is really a tough time for a lot of people. So I, 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 I hesitate to say that. Um, I'm just fortunate. I, I'm used to working at home. Um, you know, I'm not a big partier, but I, I do travel and, I, and I'm, I'm itching right now. Uh, yeah. Because it's like, I need to get on a plane and go somewhere. You know, I definitely think there are blessings to it because I think there's blessings to any struggle or hard time. Um, it just took me just a second. You know what I mean? It just took me a little bit like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta just find my footing and, and figure it out. And, but yes, I would agree. There are definitely, I think, blessings for sure that we can all find in it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are because I, I yeah. look at Facebook posts and, you know, different emails and things that are coming. And I, I, I do recognize that a lot of people, at least in my world, um, are trying to find the silver linings or the lemonades or, you know, mm -hmm. what have you. They're trying to discover that, which is a good thing. The sweet lemonade, not the sour lemonade. <laughs> the sweet, beautiful taste of lemonade. That's what we're all about. That's right. Um, so I, I'm just going to throw this out right now. We're going to we're going to move a little bit backwards, um, okay. uh, but I'm gonna, I, because you're talking about struggles and adjusting. So um, you are uh, now the a best-selling author of a book called Up Struggle. So I thought it very appropriate to just mention that since we're talking that way. So congratulations! Thank you. I'm excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of work. A lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I have been reading it. I like. Uh, I'm a couple of chapters before I finish it all up, but, um, but I've really enjoyed it. And, um, and there's definitely some things that uh, stand out for me and, and we'll talk about that. But um, for right now, let me 
just shift over to letting you kind of, you know, tell the backstory a little bit, starting with your experience with uh, cancer. Okay. So when I was 18, I was diagnosed with osteosarcoma, which is a bone cancer. Um, tends to target the young and uh, really, really, it, it sucks, right? It, it really does, but I think any cancer <laughs> is, is terrible, right? Um, and when I was, when I was diagnosed, I was actually married, had a 10 month old and was about six months pregnant. And this was 18, 18 ish years ago. And my doctor at the time, my oncologist, um, he recommended or advised me to terminate my pregnancy. Now I couldn't do it in Texas, but he wanted to ship me somewhere else that allowed, uh, terminations at that point. And I told my doctor, no, that I was not going to terminate. It was not an option and we'd have to figure it out. And I actually told him that chemo would actually have to wait. And so what, it was three months. I had like three months left. I said, you know what? Let's just wait. I'll have a healthy baby. Then we'll do chemo and what we need to do. And he was like, oh, no, 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 no. With this kind of cancer, we cannot wait. Three months could be between, you know, surviving and dying. You just don't have that time. And, um, I said, okay, because I had high-grade osteosarcoma, meaning that if left untreated, it would spread and uh, grow fairly quickly. And depending on where it would spread, would take my, my five-year survival rate. They'd already given me about 70, 80%, and it could have dropped it as low as or 15 to 30%. So I really couldn't take that, uh, do that. So, um, but I just did, I did tell him, I said, like, but I'm not going to terminate. So we're just going to have to figure it out. There's got to be another option. And he, he said, yes, there's another option. If you wait until you reach your third trimester, we can start chemo then because by then babies are pretty much developed. It's just about, you know, getting a little fat and just putting some meat on the bones and we'll, we'll do a couple rounds with you being pregnant. And then we'll take her as early as we can, being as safe as we can, knowing that she'll survive so that you're taking a little risk, she's taking a little risk. And I said, okay, that, that was a plan that I could, you know, I could do. Um, so I was scheduled to be, and thankfully though, that was only three weeks away, just to throw that out there. It was only a three week waiting period. And I'm like, that could have been like, that's a good, that is a good option. It's only three weeks. I'll wait for three weeks. So I hit my third trimester. So I was scheduled to be admitted into Indianerson on 9-11-01. And I remember on my way, my car, I was literally on the way to Indianerson and we got a phone call. Do not come in. Um, and then we figured out everything that was going on and everything. So it was just kind of one of those moments that, you know, while, while the world was under attack and, you know, and everything there I was, and we were, what our country was preparing to go to war and figure it all out. There I was under attack and, and fixing the, you know, go through the biggest battle of my life. Um, so, but they told me just to wait till the next day. So I went and, you know, I was admitted the very following day, did my first round of chemo. And after I think the first day back home, my husband left. I, if I remember it correctly, I threw up for the first time at home and I think he just, he couldn't take it. Um, and so he left and, um, you know, that kind of drops out there. I am pregnant and young and my husband leaves me and, you know, I get a lot of, um, 
oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Or that must've been so hard. And it was hard. I'm, I'm not going to lie and say it wasn't. It was, but I just knew that it was going to be okay. You know, as much as it sucked and it was hard, I just had faith, but it'll work out. It'll be fine. It'll be okay. Um, and it, it, it was a blessing in disguise. As hard as him leaving me was, I have remarried and we just celebrated our 16th wedding anniversary and it's a happy, um, loving marriage. And so, you know, it, it, it works out. So anyway, so did that and, and, um, filed for divorce. Um, don't hold any grudges, you know, don't have any hate for him in my heart or anything. Um, did a few more rounds of chemo. My daughter was born. She was born six weeks early at three pounds, 10 ounces with a head full of hair screaming, screaming when she came out. And, you know, my doctors at that point so many years ago, they, they really didn't know the effects, you know, on babies because they, he did tell me that he hadn't, there was no research, research that showed a woman in her first and second trimester who did chemo that delivered a healthy baby. So that was why he initially told me to terminate. And so we didn't know what to expect. Was she going to be born bald? Because if I'm bald and I'm doing chemo and she's in my body, shouldn't she be born bald? She wasn't. She was born with a head full of dark hair with still all that baby fur all over her. And my doctor was like, it just goes to show you how amazing the body is and how well the placenta really does protect and filter what the baby needs and what it doesn't need and stuff. So there she was. And um, she had to stay in the NICU for a couple of weeks just to get a little fatter. She was, she was perfectly healthy. She was just too small to come home. Three pounds, 10 ounces. They weren't going to let her come home. So she got a little bit bigger, stayed in. I went back to chemo. Like, I think they hit me a week or two after having a baby with chemo again. Um, ran into so many complications, you know, mouth sores and low and blood pressure issues. I mean, my mouth sores at one point were just so bad that I could barely eat and I could barely drink, which led to extreme weight loss, which led to severe dehydration, which landed me back at MD Anderson's ER. Um, and when I could eat and drink, I was like obsessed with Taco Bell and red fruit punch. Totally not healthy at all, especially for someone who is going through what I'm going through. And then it was just like last year, my mom and I had a really good laugh about, she's like, you know, I really did not appreciate all the red stains on my carpet from you throwing up because sometimes I just couldn't make it to the, you know, the bathroom, the toilet, my bucket, whatever. But we laughed about it. That's not something we would have laughed about 18 years ago, but because so much time has gone by, so much healing has gone on. Um, it was just something to really laugh about. I remember one time I woke up too, because I think sometimes I would think that people don't understand that chemo, chemo is not healing you. <laughs> chemo is actually killing you. You know, it's, it's, it's picking between the lesser of the evil, cancer or chemo. It is poison. I was poisoning my body. And so I woke up one day and all my motor skills were gone. And so, of course, I landed back in the ER and, you know, he's showing me all those flashcards that you show your toddler when you're trying to teach him something new with shapes and objects and stuff and colors. And he was asking me if I knew what they were. And I'm like, I know what they are. I know my brain is working, but I couldn't communicate because I couldn't speak. I mean, I could barely, and I realized my motor skills were, were gone that day because I couldn't even feed myself. Like it, it was, I couldn't feed myself. And then I was telling my mom, you know, let me, because she knew something was wrong. I couldn't speak and I could barely write, but I, you know, I was able to write clear enough and said motor skills. And she realized something was up. Um, that ended up just being, I was overdosed with chemo. 
and my body wasn't flushing it. And so they gave me some medicine to help flush the chemo a little bit quicker. So, so let me uh, pop in a question here. Um, I've actually never heard that as being a, um, a side effect. Um, and uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious about that as to whether, I mean, you're a pretty petite girl, woman, uh-huh. and uh, you were a girl at the time. <laughs> uh-huh. That was definitely pe- petite back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm wondering if, if maybe did that have anything to do with it? Or, or, or is that a common side effect that I just haven't really heard? You know, I don't remember what they said. Um, what they said was I was just overdosed with it because when I would do it, would, the chemo was called methotrexate. Your husband might know, know a little bit about it. I know. <laughs> he might. Um, and after I would take this, this chemo, they would give me a pill that I had to take to help flush it from my system to help clear it quicker. Um, and I guess it just, it wasn't clearing like it should have. And so they hit me again with chemo and my body was just too much for my body to handle. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that being said, you quit early, right? I did. So, you know, because chemo is poison. Um, and I actually had an uncle who passed away about 10 years before this. So it's been a while now was about 28 years. Um, and he had leukemia and, um, I knew from his situation, everything he had gone through, I could just feel it. I could feel it in every being of, you know, of me that I was dying slowly. I was, (laughs) I was slowly dying and I could, and, and, and towards the end, um, my, my complications were stacking because my body was weaker and it was just more, and, you know, and everything, and I could just feel it. And, um, I went and told my doctor, I said, I think I had two or three more rounds of chemo that he had scheduled for me. And I said, I can't do it anymore. You are killing me. And I know that if I finish these last few rounds of chemo, I am going to die. And that was, there I was faced with another difficult decision as a young woman. Um, But I just knew, I just knew I could not do one more round of chemo. So I said, how much resistance did you get from your doctor? on that decision? Um, not a lot because he did, which I did not know this, which would have been nice, but he did say, okay, yeah, you know, you're not crazy, completely crazy to do this. I have treated you longer than most. I'm like, ah, (laughs) here I am like struggling with this decision, but I knew it was the right one for me. And then he tells me that. So it did validate my decision that it was right for me. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you got that confirmation um, because that that's got to be tough because um bone cancer you know is that's really all you have is chemo um well i, I was gonna say you're not gonna surgery surgery but mm-hmm. but yeah you can you could take your leg off um that's a pretty extreme you know uh, thing to have to do but uh I, you know i'm i'm sure people going through cancer had difficult decisions to make you know all the time yeah and um you know, I, I have not lived that that experience, and so I can't speak for it. But uh, I can only imagine that it's difficult throughout the entire process to just make the decision, or even to be able to put your mindset in a positive place. Um, yeah, all those things have got to be difficult. And, oh, it- and you were young, so you know you it- didn't have the wisdom. No. No, I did not. And it was very difficult. It was my ultimate struggle. And I talk about that in my book. Um, I think, you know, everyone should really be able to, should identify their ultimate struggle because um, I think it serves them. But 
that was the hardest thing I have ever gone through for sure. Being young and everything that I experienced and the decisions, um, it, I'm not going to lie. I did not do well. I mean, I got to the point where I was even depressed and I was abusing my pain meds that they had prescribed me from my leg surgery that I'd had to remove the tumor. Um, and I, when I went and told and this is back then when they gave you a hundred pills, a hundred pills of hydrocodone. And I was like, okay. And they were liberal with it because they're like, she's not, you don't know, she's dying, but she has cancer. Like we just want her comfortable. Right. And I remember, and I told, because I, I knew it was wrong, right? Um, and I told my doctor, I'm like, you've got to switch my medication or we've got to figure something out because I'm addicted to my pain, my pain pills. And he's like, oh, I don't care. I'm just trying to save your life. And I'm not, not in like a rude or mean way, because then we did switch it. But that, him saying that almost just kind of opened my eyes up to what I was going through. Because I think because I was so young, I didn't understand really what I was going through. I knew my, my uncle had had it. I knew, and, he, and I knew he passed and I knew you were bald. Like I did not have a full understanding of um, what cancer and chemo was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who really does when they first enter into it? Um, you don't know till you're, you're living it. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty amazing story though, because now you're 18 years out. So that's, that's a pretty good success story. Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask before we get into some of your, your um, uh, juicy stuff in the book is you are a very vibrant, happy, you smile. You know, has that always been your personality? No. <laughs> gained out of your experiences. No. Oh, my goodness. No, that was developed by choice. I realized that I was drawn to those kind of women and I almost started studying them. Like, why, why are they always so happy? Like I was, it was to the point where I was like, it's annoying and not annoying as like, it was really annoying. I'm just like, because I'm not like that. And you're so happy and cheery and positive. Like you're annoying me. You know what I mean? And then I, and then, so I just kind of started watching them and what is it they do and how do they behave? And, and I just started changing. I realized I just, I wanted to be happy. I wanted to be someone who smiled and made other people feel good and, and was a light, you know? And so it was, it was work. I had to work on myself. I had to look in the mirror and say, what are things that I need to change to become the woman that I can be proud of? Because I'll be honest, I have not always been proud of myself. It was a long journey and a long road and a lot of looking inward and, and which can be painful, right? When you have to look at your flaws and, and point the finger here instead of here. And I just worked on myself and a lot of it just came through personal development, um, podcasts, surrounding myself with, with other women who are that way. Um, because I'm a huge believer that we become like who we're surrounded by. And so I've become very intentional with who I will not surround myself with because I don't, I don't want them to rub off on me. Um, and people may not realize it, but it, you know, you, we rub off on, on other people. So I'm very intentional about it. So no, I have not always been that way. I wasn't just raised in the right family. My mom just wasn't some unicorn or something, you know, or, or anything. It was, it was work and it was because I chose that this is who I want to be now. So that's incredible. I, I love that, um, uh, that we talked about that. Cause I don't even think that was really in the book. I just, it came to me that like, I need to ask her that, you know, it's, it's just, because I got a sense that that a lot of who you are is from your experiences that you've gone through and those struggles. Yep. And um, I think you're proof that, you know, if you're determined to 
be a better person or, or, or present yourself in a different way, you can do it. Absolutely. Uh, it does take work. And, um, and so congratulations, you did a really great job. You're good. Thank student. you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But yes, I like that you said that it really came through my struggles, right? It, it, this attitude and everything, it, it developed because of every struggle I went through. Um, instead of being a victim or woe is me, I'm not saying they don't suck. It, it's okay to own it and say, this is a hard time and this sucks, but what can I learn? How can I grow? How can I become better? And that's how I use my struggles. Yeah, it's so easy to fall into the, the negative space, you know, when your world is not going the way you would like it to. Um, yeah. And so that's why I'm passionate about, you know, making the lemonade because uh, it is a choice. You can choose to stay in your negative space, or you can choose to see how to, to make it better. And so let's kind of dive into your book a little bit and what you learn. Um, and most specifically, what have you taken from that experience with cancer to apply to other um, struggles in your life? Okay. So because I have been through so many struggles. Now, I, I tend to share my cancer story um, because it was my ultimate struggle, but that is not the only thing. Like, I will be honest. I have, like, when I give my speech and I have a presentation, I, 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 sh I have this presentation that has a photo of me happy, but then all my struggles around it. And I often joke that, y'all, that is not all my struggles. That is just what would fit on the slide, you know? So I had been through, you know, things like I tried committing suicide as a teen. Um, alcohol and drugs, uh, low self-esteem, trust issues, like bad attitude, health issues, mis misdiagnosis, uh, miscarriage, depression, like being just jealous. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had a lot of struggles um, and I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, they're not going to go anywhere. I, even as I was progressing as a person, as a human and becoming better, I realized, but that doesn't mean you just eliminate struggles. That's just a universal experience we all have. So I really became interested in learning about struggles. And, um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to learn more about it. And I did this by reflection of my own struggles that I had been through, but also, um, a little bit of research, you know, the good old Google search bar, a little bit of research so I could find out, you know, about struggles and stuff like that. And I had discovered that there were three universal struggles that everybody experiences. Everybody. It does not matter your zip code or what your bank statement looks like or what family you can, it, none of that matters. Everybody will experience um, these three universal struggles. And I'll share that with you. So the first one I call self, meaning self-inflicted pain by one's own actions. Sometimes it's like, ooh, <laughs> who, wants, who wants to admit that, right? Who wants to admit that I brought this struggle on myself? I think it takes a level of humility um, to say, okay, what, what actions did I, did I have or what, what part did I take in, in this and, and own up to that? So that's what I call the first one. And then the second one I call others, meaning self or pain inflicted on you through the actions of others. Because I do believe that sometimes other people's actions can cause us pain. Um, whether it's a spouse and some actions they do, whether it's, you know, like a drunk driver getting behind the wheel and killing a loved one. Um, there are actions that people do that really affect us. And then the third one I call life meaning uh, pain inflicted on you at no one's fault, 
Nobody, you can't place blame anywhere. I didn't cause my cancer. I can't put blame on me. My mom didn't cause my cancer. Um, I'm from Houston, Texas, so Hurricane Harvey. Nobody had control whether that hurt, where it was going and what it was doing. So that would be life, right? We just don't have control over those. And then I came up with three just very simple, basic questions that I can ask myself to figure out which universal struggle that I'm dealing with. And the first one is, did I bring this upon myself? If so, what can I do differently to avoid it in the future? Now, when I say avoid it, I don't mean that we should avoid struggles because there are just some that we can't, right? But I mean the ones that are like self-induced. I have so many, especially when I was younger, of self-induced um, struggles because of my actions. Those are the ones I'm saying, hey, how can we learn so that we don't act a fool next time, right? <laughs> so that we can learn and grow and be better and not keep repeating the same struggle over and over. Um, and then the other one, I, um, the other one is, did someone else bring this upon me? If so, what actions are needed? And oftentimes I have found that there are three actions that are normally needed. Maybe you just need to put a little distance between you and that person. Maybe you need to have a conversation with them about what is and isn't acceptable in your life. Or maybe you just need to um, be a little bit clearer with your boundaries because I've learned that we get so upset as humans when people step over a boundary that we think and we assume that they know, but we never told them that was a boundary, you know? And, um, and those are usually the three actions that I need to take if someone else is causing me pain. And then, um, and I also think when it comes to that one, the others, right? I, I've noticed sometimes we want to put all our struggles there. We want to point the finger. We want to say that it was her fault and his fault and woe is me and poor me. And I'm like, okay, but then the question becomes, if it's true, why are you surrounding yourself with people who cause you so much pain? And if we look at it like that, then it goes back into self, right? Because we're choosing to allow people who are hurting us and we're to keep doing it. So it really falls into self. And then the third one with life, you just got to roll with the punches. And if you answer no to the first two questions of self and others, then it's probably life, right? It was it you didn't cause it. Somebody else doesn't cause it, didn't cause it probably will fall under life. So though that is my three universal struggles um, that I share in my book that when I'm speaking, I, I talk about. Um, yeah. That's pretty insightful. Um, and it does put it into perspective, I, I think, to, for people to, to help understand, okay, where, where is this struggle coming from? And, yeah. and you're right, it's so easy to point a finger. It's much easier than taking it on yourself. Um, so let's talk about forgiveness a little bit because okay. both uh, you've caused it yourself and especially if somebody else has brought it upon you that forgiveness takes a huge role. And it, that is one of the hardest things for people to do is to forgive. Was that a big area um, for you in order to, to heal and to move forward? Oh yeah. I used to be a grudge holder. Like she, you know, and I, I realized, and it seems so simple, but maybe it was just who said it. And when it, you know, when it was said in, in the time of my life that I was ready to hear it and absorb it, um, I just realized I had heard that forgiveness isn't for the other person. 
forgiveness is for you. And I've heard that my whole life, right? But it just all of a sudden one time was like, wait a minute. And I realized that a lot of the times though, people don't, a lot of times people have good hearts. I mean, of course, let's be real. There are some just meanies out there and you know, whatever. Um, but for the most part, people have good hearts and they don't mean, they don't mean to cause pain or hurt people. And, um, so I, I keep that in mind, but also the one who's not forgiving, the one who's holding the grudge, we're sour about it, right? We are grumpy and, and, and I just, the way we feel, it just creates a nasty, just, you can see it all over people when they're not happy, right? And so the reason I'm saying this is because I don't think people mean to offend or hurt or anything like that. So they carry on with their life. They have no idea that we're offended and that we're holding on to a grudge. And we're sitting here miserable while they're moving on with their life happy. And I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't make sense. I don't want that. And so I just realized, just, just let it go. You know, I even think, because I used to get offended all the time too. Oh, she didn't talk to me and she this and she that. And, you know, I just, being offended, I did not always know this, is also a choice too, you know? And, and something that I had to learn as well was, um, because it was hard, you know, someone would, someone would treat me poorly and I, my feelings would get hurt and I would get all kinds of upset and get mad. And then I finally realized the way other people treat me, it has nothing to do with me because I'm, I'm a nice person. It's just a simply a reflection of where they're at in life, their mindset, their experiences, how much they love and, and like and respect themselves. And so I don't come across people like that often or anything, but when I do, Instead of freaking out and getting mad and holding on to a grudge, I just think, okay, I remind myself, did that feel good to be treated that way? No, I'm human, right? It didn't feel good, but this isn't about me. So why am I making all this about me? It's not even about me. It's about the other person. And that was just such a, like a, a, oh, you know, and it seems so simple, but I'm just like, it just, you know, I just needed to hear it and understand it in the time that I did. And so that's what I think about. And with forgiveness, what's that one good quote about um, holding on to hate or something is like drinking poison and expecting the other one to die or not forgiving, not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the person to die. And I'm like, okay, because that's what it is. I really feel like not forgiving, it, it hinders progress and growth. Um, and you're drinking the poison, not the other person. They have moved on with life, probably unaware that they even offended you, you know? Well, yeah. And, you know, when I hear that kind of discussion and, and, um, it, it takes me back to when I got fired uh, from a job that was, um, and it was very manipulative and it was, I mean, you could see it coming from a mile away. And there were three of us that were affected and uh, out of a seven person team. So nearly half the sales force. <laughs> and so when I went through that, I mean, I, that's the angriest I think I've ever been. Um, and, and one of the three who was part of it, you know, we were all talking to each other and um, she was so angry and so not accepting of the situation. I finally had to separate myself because I couldn't move past it because I was getting this daily barrage of negativity about it. And I was just like, and then I started saying, hey, you gotta get a grip on this. And, and I can't, 
I can't sit and listen to it. And at the point where I finally just kind of put that up and then I came to my own conclusion, I forgive, you know, the, the managers and everybody else because I had to, I, it's my own help. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're, we're saying that what they did is okay. It doesn't make it okay, but we're just willing to move on, forgive so that we are not drinking the poison any longer. Exactly. But, but you also bring up a good point that I think is important for people to remember because I wasn't hurting their life at all. I mean, that's what I, in, in my heart, that's what I wanted and I wanted them to hurt. But my being angry at them was not affecting them one bit. Nope. <laughs> they were going yeah. on, still making a good paycheck, loving their jobs, you know, and they probably never even gave me a second thought. <laughs> So true. And I think so often we, you know, I was there for so long and made it all about me. And I'm like, I even had a friend tell me that one time. Good friends will tell you the truth, even if it stings, right? That is a good friend. And I was complaining about how this one person ever talked to me and we're at, you know, at church in the hall and the hall's only, you know, five feet wide and people will look down. I'm like, hello, like I'm right here. Just smile. Anyway, we're talking about it. And she goes, Tracy, it's not about you. I'm like, oh, it wasn't. You know, whether that woman was insecure or didn't like to make eye contact, like, I don't know, right? I don't know, but it wasn't about me. That was, and I think that that is in my book. And it was just such an aha moment for me. And I share that all the time because we make situations about us, but it, it is not, you know, other people's behavior towards us is not about us for the most part. I mean, if we're being mean, you know, or, or something crazy or whatever, but for the most part, I think it's really not yeah. about us at all. So do you, did you put your experiences into kind of a, I don't know, a blueprint or a roadmap for people to help them in their struggles? I, mean, I do. It's like you really haven't mastered. Oh, no, I have them like right here that I'm like, okay, what do I, so I actually have reminders if you want me to go through that along with like the three universal struggles. I had come up with reminders and let me tell you, this did not come up overnight or even in a year. My formula came through you know, being intentional and, and trying to um, learn more about my struggles a lot through reflection. And I would use this part and then I would use this part and then I would use this reminder and this, and then finally just sat down and I just put it all together. So I have the three universal struggles, but I also have like seven reminders that when I'm struggling, I literally will go through the list. <laughs> okay. What can I do right now? And I can share those with you. Yeah, please. I'd love to hear okay. them. I'm going to write them down too. <laughs> So the first one is you are not meant to go through the struggle alone. Who are you leaning on that is helping you get through it right now? Um, be it a, a therapist or a church leader or a spouse or a friend. Um, I think oftentimes when we're struggling, we want to isolate. And I think that is the worst thing that we can do. Or um, I, I've learned that people really do want to help, right? They, they, I think about it and I say it like this, when a friend comes to you and like, Michelle, I, I, this is what's going on and I'm going through a divorce and did it. how does that make you feel? Like you're like, oh, you trust me enough to confide in me about your divorce that nobody else knows about and to cry on my shoulder. And then it makes us feel good that we can be an ear or if they ask for advice, we can offer advice. And I think, I think of that as we are, you know, you're being a blessing to your friend, right? And you're helping her. And we are stealing that from people when we don't share our struggles. And I'm not saying plaster it all over social media and whine and complain, but I think there's a way to do it. And, and that's why I say only, we only go to people we trust. We don't just go put it out 
you know, for everybody to know. And I do think we can share about struggles, but I do it in an inspiring, uplifting way and not in a complaining, negative, I'm going to pull you down um, way. So that's the first one is who am I leaning on? Usually for me, it is my, my husband. He's also my best friend. And so he's a person that when I just need to vomit <laughs> everything or whatever, I, I lean on him. So anybody we trust that that is a person or persons that we should um, lean on. So that is my first one. My second one is do something right now that will lift your spirit. So I mentioned the last week was a pretty tough week for me. I just changed. I don't do well with change. And I knew though that there were things that made me feel better. Moving my body makes me feel better. And when I mentioned this, like I teach HIT and strength training. And I tell people, you don't have to go to the gym to move your body. Oh my gosh, if you have a two-story house, go up and down those stairs 10 times. Like you're out of breath or clean your house for an hour. Your, your heart rate is going to elevate. So it looks different for everybody. You don't have to go to the gym. You don't have to go run a marathon. Get outside and take your dog on a walk for 20 minutes, you know? So exercise is, is huge. So I started moving my body. Um, I realized that I wasn't listening to music as much as I used to with everything that is going on because with teaching group fitness, I listen, I teach it with music, like really upbeat, fun music. And then when I'm in the car, which I'm not in the car as much anymore, I blare Christian music. And so I realized that because I'm home more, that music was missing from my life. So I started playing more music um, just to make me feel better because it lifts my spirit. Um, for me, making my bed. That makes me feel better. It feels for me like a little win, right? Because one, if I make my bed, I'm probably not going to get back in it. Because let's be honest, those days we don't make our bed, we're like, my bed is calling me. I can hear it. It is calling me. And we go get back in. But me, I'm like, I'm not messing up that pretty little bed that I just made. I want to keep it nice, keep it pretty. I don't want wrinkles on my quilt, not getting back in bed or just taking a shower or something like this. I love doing stuff like this uh, face to face. It makes me feel good and it lifts my spirits. So anything that lifts our spirit and we don't have to do it all. I don't have to do the, all of that in one day. Maybe just, especially when we're struggling, just what do you know that you can just do today that will make you feel better? And then tomorrow stack it, you know, and stack it and stack it and you'll start to feel better. And that will look different for everybody. And that is okay. So, and the third one is, this is for you, not against you, if you choose. So lean in and search for the lesson it has to offer. Um, I believe, one, that every struggle we go through has some kind of lesson, whether it's big or small, whether it's multiple, that they offer us, but it's up to us to find that lesson and then apply it to our lives. And I oftentimes think, too, that deep down inside, most of us even are aware and probably know the lesson that we need to learn um, from the struggle. And the fourth one is, this will make you stronger. Put it on repeat like you do Kane Brown or Brene Brown or Chris Brown or some Brown. Um, Kane Brown is a country singer. I love his music. Just love, love his music. And when he comes on, I crank, I crank my radio. Um, so it's like a little bit of pep talk. <laughs> Is, is good. A little bit of pep talk because I think so often we live in here anyways, right? In, in our head, in our thoughts. And that's like the one thing we have control over is, is our mindset and stuff. So make sure that, you know, give self little pep talks. Um, put that, that this will make me stronger. Put that on repeat. And I have to be honest, when I'm going through struggles, um, and of course, you know, some are small, some are medium-sized, some are, some are big. Um, and nobody gets to tell you if your struggle is hard or easy, right? It's 
different for everybody. Um, but sometimes number four, and when we get to number seven too, but number four, number seven, when I'm really struggling tend to be the only things that I can hold on to. Cause sometimes I just can't think about, you know, some of the other reminders and, and uh, tips and stuff that I have, but sometimes just Tracy, because I've been through so many struggles and I know that I can learn from them. And even if we don't learn in the moment, I was not going to learn anything about my cancer in the moment. I'm sorry. I'm just going to be honest. That was through, let me get through this, this dark tunnel and do some reflecting later. And so that's a, another thing is, um, I think that our smaller struggles are easier to reflect in, right? A little bit less fog and those bigger ones, whatever we think is big in our life, I think those are a little bit harder to reflect in. And sometimes we just have to let some time go by. And once that fog really starts to lift, we can start to think clearer and really reflect in it and stuff. Um, so I just put that on repeat. This will make me stronger. This will make me stronger. This will make me stronger. I don't know how, I don't know when, but I will be stronger one day for it. And then number five, remember that one time you got through, you got this. So this goes back to the ultimate struggle. Mine was cancer. Um, someone else could be something else. So I think it's important to, I, to be able to identify your ultimate struggle so that when we go through another struggle, and this is what I do, I, I'm not going to lie. I went through cancer. I can do this right? And it helps. It does. Um, I had a cancer scare just in January. You'll read that in the final chapter. Um, I had what they thought was a complex cyst. And then they're like, but they started using words like CA-125 and like cancer words. And I, that was hard. That was hard as an adult this, this time around, because I now knew the reality of cancer. It scared me. I was marinating in fear. I have stage three kidney disease. And I thought, if this is cancer, how am I going to do chemo? My kidneys were damaged the first time around from the chemo. Like my body. So like, right. All these thoughts were just, and I was just, I couldn't handle it. Um, and I thought, okay, yeah, I've been through cancer before, but so I know I can do it, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. And so I just think it's good to identify your ultimate struggle, whatever that means to you. So that when we're struggling, it just kind of puts things into perspective. And then we can say, I got through that though. I'm still here. I'm still standing. Yes, it sucked. It's okay to, to you know, to say that it, it did suck, but I can get through it. I can do hard things. Um, and then number six is focus on a solution to the struggle. Uh, my bishop for many years ago taught me this concept when I was talking to him one time. And I used to get so caught up in, in the struggle. And my, my, my laser focus was there that the struggle just, like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? This is huge. What well, was huge to me because my, late, my focus was lasered on it and it just got big. And that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way as well when I was talking to him about something I was dealing with and going through. And so I thought instead of focusing on the struggle itself, um, focus on a solution to it, you know, to help us get through. And, and, and because it's like, I just think of like when you stare in one spot long enough, everything around it becomes blurry. So if we're, if we're focusing on that one struggle so hard, the solution could be right here, right next to it, but we can't see it. Because we're so focused here that even it's right here, just a centimeter over, it's blurry. We can't see it. So focus, focus, focus. And then number seven, this is one of four and seven really helped me, is use what you went through to help somebody get through. 
I will be honest, I just feel like going through all the things I've gone through and acquiring all the knowledge through experience and, and um, the struggles I've gone through and then keeping it to myself and hoarding it all, it just seems so selfish to me. When I could, you know, I do, I'm very public about my life. Um, I, I share my life and things I've, I've gone through. And because of that, people come and confide in me. When I was going through my thing in January, which turned out to be a borderline tumor, um, thank goodness, but all it needed was surgery, not chemo. Because I was sharing that journey and how I was actually misdiagnosed at first with something else, but my gut feeling told me, no, it's something else. Um, I was sharing that journey and my symptoms and just the whole thing. I had two women uh, message me and say, I have the same symptoms. I'm going to the doctor. One of them, who, who is a good friend of mine, um, she just had the same surgery about three weeks ago, three weeks ago. And she's told me, Tracy, it's because you shared your journey. You shared it that, that I, the exact same thing um, with, with her, except for hers was a cyst. It wasn't a borderline tumor, but it was still, they took her ovary, the surgery, exact same surgery and all of that. Um, and so I just think that we should, we should help other people. We, we acquire so much experience and knowledge through the struggles that we go through that why not help others get through what we once went through? I just think it's, just think it's the right thing to do as humans. <laughs> so those are my reminders that I use when I'm struggling. And I don't think that everyone has to use all of them at the same time. They're, depending on maybe the struggle, maybe you need all seven. Um, maybe you only need three. Maybe, maybe for that day, only one of them is going to move you forward and make you feel better. So, but they're just there. And I like people to have them because I just feel like if they can help me the way they have, that surely they can help somebody else too. That's great. Because I think that all seven of your reminders are really ways to, um, to, to, to deal with being, uh, you know, in the forest, can't see the, the, you know, the forest for the trees. So you're in the trees. Um, and these are just really great ways to get outside of the trees. Um, so I'm going to tell you the ones that really resonate. First of all, I'm a bed maker. <laughs> oh, good. Did you see the video? Have, how long have you been a bed maker? Um, Probably 20 years. Oh, I've only been in bed maker for like two or three. No, I, <laughs> I have. Well, okay. So part of that too is um, my husband is both a medical doctor and a um, military. Um, ah, you better do those corners right. <laughs> so yeah, there were times where I'd go, eh, let it fly today, you know, and he's like, no, got to make bed. So, um, so our rule is who, who is the last one out of bed? That's the one who makes the bed. So but who's normally out last? Learned by doing that, usually I'm the first one out of bed. Oh. <laughs> but I've learned though, by seeing that my bed is made up, it's like the first thing that seems in order and in place. Mm -hmm. That if I have chaos around me, then I feel chaos in my mind. So that just kind of like starts the day off, right? It does. So I, I love that. And um, the other thing you mentioned um, is about uh, kind of giving yourself permission to feel bad. Like, it's okay. You know, you don't have to jump right in there and fix it all. Mm -hmm. And be the person that, you know, just rises above immediately. Give yourself permission to go ahead and feel bad about it. Knowing that you're going to turn around 
you know, after you're over, you know, the pity party, mm-hmm. you're going to work on it. Yep. I think that's important to, to kind of give yourself that permission. And then when it comes to number seven, I mean, you just hit on what Lemonade Legend is all about. Oh. How can, it, it, it's, a, it's about storytelling to help other people, for people to, to, to realize I, I'm not the only one. I thought I was the only one going through this. I've heard that so many times and I'm like, how could you think you're the only one going through it? But you get caught up in yourself and you just mm-hmm. don't realize that there's a lot of people struggling out there. Yeah. So, um, so you get a gold star for that one. Oh, good, good. And I tell people, you know, if I, I hear people say life is hard and I'm like, oh, you, like my heart breaks. Moments, seasons are hard, but life is not meant to be hard. And I think if people have that perspective and truly feel that life is just hard mindset, right? Or maybe our actions, our choices are are making it hard. And so I just think, yes, we all struggle. But if from time to time and it is normal and it's a human thing, now how long we stay there, you know, there's some choice there. Um, but I just do not buy into or believe that life is just meant to be hard. I'm like, no, that's just that it breaks my heart when people think that. Right. Exactly. But I, you, it is mindset. It, and it's how you, you choose to be in that moment. I don't think it's life is hard. I think life is going to have continuous struggles. Some are going to be really difficult. Some are going to be just annoying mm-hmm. and everything in between. But the, the more skilled you are at going through like your seven reminders or, or putting your mindset in the right place, and it is a skill yes. and it is a choice. The more you do that, I think that when the next struggle hits, you're going to sail through it just a little bit easier. Yep. Okay? Absolutely. Because I think every time we go through a struggle and if we are intentional and we learn from it, I talk about it as, as tools in our toolbox, right? Um, it, you get to add a tool to your, toolbo- your toolbox every time you go through a struggle. And so the next one you hit, instead of now having one, you have two. And then the next time instead of two, you have three. And it doesn't, I just think, like I still have, like that one in January, that, that threw me on my butt. And I had was writing a book on it and I was like, I wasn't, my husband was out of town when I found all this out and I couldn't call him. And I'm like, I don't want to worry my mom because she was there the first time. And I'm like, who was I leaning on? Me, myself, and I, right? (laughs) So I am not perfect at this, but it feels nice to know that I have the tools and the resources to be able to get through these struggles. And some will be harder and some will not be as crazy. Well, and the way you present it, because you are so upbeat and, um, beautiful with a great smile you <laughs> make it seem like oh let me have another struggle i want to get another tool <laughs> well i've had a woman come to me she's like i'm actually kind of excited for my next struggle i'm like good <laughs> because here's the thing we are either headed towards a struggle getting out of one or in one that is just life you know and then in the gap you know maybe there's a, a three months between whatever but we are in or headed towards or getting out of Yep. It's incredible to think of it that way, but you're right. And I love the title of your book because you, you, you managed to put a positive spin on the word struggle. 
by having up struggles. It's not down struggles, it's up struggles. Yeah, so I tend to make up my own words, which that is a made up word. I Googled it. At least Google says it's not a word. Um, and my husband will laugh at me because sometimes my brain just cannot think of a word and I make up my own words and my husband, and it's just, it's just who I am. It's my personality. I misspell words. I make up words. And I was trying to just come up with something like you said, that was, I wanted people to know this isn't about struggles, but almost like level up, you know, it, it, it's, it's up struggle. How can you yeah, be, how can we be better and, and do it better and up struggle? Just, we're going to struggle, but can we up struggle, you know? <laughs> Exactly. No, I love it. I, I, I think it, 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 uh, it, it, it really is what your book is all about. And so again, I want to congratulate you on, uh, on your bestseller set status. And I encourage people to read it, especially if you struggle with struggles, right? Um, so it is available on Amazon, right? It is. Yes, it is available on Amazon okay. as an ebook as well, paperback and ebook. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I like ebook, but there's just something about being able to hold that tangible. Book I book. agree. I, and I like to highlight and write notes and, and doggy ear. And like, I use my books. I don't just, you know, and I used to nicely and neatly, like, don't hurt the book. No, I'm reading to like feed my mind and to learn. And so it's like a workbook for me. Use it up. Nothing would make me happier than to see somebody's copy of the lemonade stand all beat up and dog-eared and marked. Well, think about it like the Bible, right? When you see people with their Bible, that it's like, whoa, okay, you've used that, but how long have you had it, 50 years? When you see, and I have a few books that look like that, I'm like, you used it, yes. Yeah. You know, it looks like that. That's a beautiful thing. Yes. Well, so um, I'm going to have to wrap this up. I feel like okay. I can talk to you forever, <laughs> but we'll just have to find a time to get you back here. Yes. Um, so... Anything that we didn't cover that you would like to cover? Um, so, you know, there's one thing that has really helped me, especially with getting this book out. And I'd love to share that with you um, because it used to feel like torture to me. And now I've learned, wait, this isn't torture. It's if we have, if it's, if it's, if something is on our heart, like writing a book was on my heart, you know, for, for so long when something would be on my heart, I would fight it. And I'd feel resistance and, it, and then it would just be like torture. And I'm like, wow. And I was just, it, was nothing, it wasn't aligned. And so I, I just want to say, if something is on our heart to do, it is there for a reason. And usually the reason is to guide us into the things that we need to do. So honor it, honor it and know that it, it wasn't placed in our heart to torture us. Although sometimes it can feel like that when we're fighting it, but it is there to guide us. And that is what this book, you know, it was on my heart and I didn't know nothing about nothing on how to do anything when it came to a book, but I figured it out, right? I figured it out. Um, and look at where we're at because I, I honored it and I allowed what was on my heart to guide me to honor it. That's beautiful. I, I couldn't think of a better way to, to wrap up the conversation. So thanks for sharing that. Oh, um, you. Do you have any contact information that you would like to share? Yeah. So I am over on Instagram and Facebook uh, quite a bit. I keep it simple. Just my name, Tracy Farron um, on Facebook and Instagram. Um, that's really where people can connect with me, but I am also working on my next book. Um, I am. It's on marriage. And, and so I'm going to be sharing lots of tips and stuff that have worked in my marriage. I've been married for 16 years and 
I just feel like, you know, and I know everyone does things differently, but again, right, I've learned things in the last 16 years and then through a divorce that I thought, why not share it? Not, no, do I think every tip in my book is going to help you or that you should use everyone? No. Do I think you can get some good nuggets and a handful of the tips and, and, and apply it to your, your marriage? Yes, I do. So that is my next one um, that I'm working on and I'm excited about it. That's great. I can't wait to to read that one as well um, because you do have a, a you're very insightful I mean that's obvious um, with um, I mean, what you've shared and you're passionate and um, you definitely shine a light so oh, thank um, you appreciate you being on here and um, yeah get that get that next book out you know we'll, we'll have you on to talk about that <laughs> yeah I'm excited and thank you for having me it's been such a pleasure I love doing stuff like this too. Uh, I do too, you know, and it's especially exciting when you can have a guest who, you know, really brings a lot of energy uh, into the conversation. So thank you so much. With that, I'm going to say uh, goodbye to my listeners and viewers out there. Um, tune in uh, to our next guest, Tina Torres, next week. Um, we'll be talking about gratitude. So um, I'm Wishing everybody uh, a good rest of the week and weekend, and uh, we'll be back. So thank you all, and good afternoon. <laughs>